Good morning, good afternoon, good night. The Knicks are coming off a two and two week. It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, we're we're all filled to the gills with turkey and other stuff. And uh, mixed feeling about the Knicks this week. But hey, let's talk some Knicks. The New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis. Posting toes, pumping and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the guard crowd. Oh, well, Thanksgiving week. What's going on, boys? I'm joined by Kenny Poon, Kenneth Poon. Ken, how are you? I'm doing good, Jake. I, uh, like the rest of us, just had a nice little Thanksgiving holiday. You know, got a, a ton of stuffing, ton of turkey, lived the dream, watched some football. Went to my 10-year reunion, which, yeah. incidentally, both of you guys were at. Jake I put it I on. I saw you there. Yeah. I didn't. That's the thing. I walked in, I said hi to you, and then you disappeared, so... I yeah, man, I, I was doing half host, half like my like old man move that I'm falling into. I did this at my birthday party as well is kind of like distract with something else and get pretty twisted up on the sauce. And then by the mm. time I enter the actual event, like it's like it never even happened. So it's, it's highs and lows. Um, what, scale of one to 10, what would you give the reunion? Uh, like a, like a six. Okay. Six. Okay. I well, mean, Ken's Ken's done for the I, show. I mean, I had I had people there like pretending they didn't know who I was. There was people there I was pretending I didn't know who they were. So like, yeah. you guys know me. It's a ten year reunion. Don't put that on me. You see oh, that I wasn't board? blaming you. That's just right. that's just that's just how I how I feel. Also joining us, and after hearing my reaction, hopefully giving a better score for the reunion, Tom Piccolo. Tom, how are you? Hey guys, I'm doing really well. Thanks. And Jake, I, I gotta say, I mean, you were kind of great Gatsbying that whole party there. You kind of went away for a bit, but I had a blast even without you. Maybe because who's, it was without you. But. Who's great Gatsby? Is he on Brooklyn now? Oh man. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, how was how was the Piccolo Thanksgiving? Were you were you with the Picks? Were you with your fiance's family? A little both. I was with the the fiance's family near Hartford, Connecticut. Um, so I didn't get to see my my parents over there in Philadelphia, but that's that's all right. I'll see them for Christmas. Um, but yeah, no, it was a great Thanksgiving. They they always do a good job. I'm I'm curious if you got people are really passionate about the sides that they eat. Like, do you guys have a favorite side? I'm a I'm a stuffing guy. Um, gotta be the stuffing. Like I don't even I don't even really like turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes and gravy. Like that's that's what Thanksgiving yeah. is for me. Like, yeah, Ken 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 kind of nailed it. I, I share that opinion. You know, I'm I'm on board with all that. So, yeah, but, but the reunion was great, man. Like p- people just seemed excited to be there, more excited than I expected. And uh, I don't know. I was I was. It was such a positive vibe for most of the night. I, uh, I yeah. no complaints. It, it was just. I guess I was a little surprised and didn't expect that out of a ten year high school reunion. I, I saw John Cram, which was crazy because like okay. he, he he's a shifty guy. So I, that'll that that'll bump it up to a seven, Jake. And that was talking Knicks. Um, no, I, I mean, my two, two most important comments of the show on that are, I think Turkey's the facility, Turkey's the Jared Jack. Turkey just facilitates Porzingis and everything else that needs to go on. And then, oh, sorry, I got distracted by the Broncos game for a second. They're losing again. Shocker. But, um, you know, tenure, a, a bunch of people that similar backgrounds and you get a couple daiquiris in them. I think you're going to have a good time. Hope y'all did. Hope everyone listening had a happy Thanksgiving. May send us your reunion stories or don't. We'll we'll dive into the Knicks because that's that's what this is supposed to be about. Uh, in my balling and recalling category, what what happened this week? They had four games. We started with two at home with the Clippers in Toronto, two Ws, and then we went on the road <laughs> to the Hawks and the Rockets, two losses. Which I I think the I think the home. <laughs> The home road thing is definitely becoming a thing. Um, I, I don't know. We we had our big game from Tim Hardaway Jr. He was gunning for that 50 that you've been referencing all year, Kenny. Um, and then, you know, we kind of just had a, a nice strong win over a struggling Clippers team. And then that the Hawks game kind of hurt, but the Rockets game kind of hurt more because we jumped out to that big lead. And then we kind of blew that I'll Tom, I'll start with you. Where what, what are your kind of thoughts on the week? Talk Talk me through it. Sure, I can start with that Clippers game, which uh, which started the week off with a nice win. Um, the Knicks took a nice a nice lead to begin the second half, but then the Clippers went on this 15-0 run to uh, get the lead down to two. So with six and a half minutes left, 
It was a two-point game, and the Knicks went on to close the quarter on a 17-4 to run that really put the game out of reach for the Clippers. And what happened during that stretch was Doug McDermott just kind of went off. He hit three threes, um, was playing so much harder than everyone else on the court. It was, it was just incredible to watch the disparity in the effort level there. And, you know, Enos Cantor played awesome too. He was grabbing offensive rebounds during that stretch. He had one really nice kick out, made a, re- a really kind of uncharacteristically good decision to pass the ball out to McDermott, who hit one of his threes. And, uh, you know, that was just – it was a great run because before that, the momentum was really in favor of, of Los Angeles, and it could have gotten ugly. But Nick stayed strong, and it was, it was awesome. Uh, Chris Depps finished that game with 25 points. Not too efficient from the field, but went nine for nine from the free throw line. So whenever he's getting to the to the charity stripe that much, that's a good good sign. And uh, Frank Frank struggled a bit. He had four turnovers, just one assist, and was minus nine in his plus minus in a twenty two point win, which you hate to see. But uh, you know Frank bounced back a little bit over the course of the week. A, a little. It wasn't quite that ugly the whole time. So so I mean. Yeah. Frank was yeah. Frank was sick. I don't I don't I don't know if you saw that. I know uh, they said he had flu-like symptoms, and in one of the games they were just saying basically he just can't breathe through his nose. So I'm willing him to give a, I'm willing to give him a pass for just most of this week. You know, the, the, those last two games didn't even happen. We went two and zero this week, so it was a good week for us. Um, I don't know. No. That's what? Just because it was the holidays, and unfortunately, those games did happen. I must have had a little too much at that reunion. Yeah. Right. Well, go back and check um, the, uh, the last pod that we did. We, we, we all predicted two and two. So, uh, yeah. As, future I, over here. And it was just, it was tough. I, I mean, man, that Houston game, huh? That start was just incredible. Oh, let's, we'll wrap up the Clippers a little bit, Tom. You mentioned Cantor. Um, his stat line was, it's, it's a pretty awesome stat line. Plus 21, uh, plus minus 12 points on three of four shooting, <laughs> six of six from the charity stripe. Six offensive rebounds, uh, 16 rebounds total, two steals, a block. Enos really had a tremendous night. All the starters had great plus minuses and and Dougie Fresh, who was five of seven from three. I don't know. We we did kind of expect that one, though. The Clippers, Clippers are in a rut right now. They've they've got a couple guys hurt. The Raptors game, uh, and any of you guys want to jump in there? I mean, it again, some some kind of interesting stats jump out there. It, it kind of looks like the Raptors did their thing, but at the end of the day, Kyle Lowry with a minus 16, that's kind of shocking right there. Um, and the, the, Nick, Raptors, Nick, the Raptors yeah. game was wild, right? Because that was – if you take out the third quarter of that game, they lost by 23. But yeah. in the third quarter, they won by 31. So, like, it evens out. And that's – I don't know. I think that's going to be kind of a thing throughout the rest of the season is – there are these moments when the Knicks just their defense is incredible, their offense is you know flowing, and they look like a really good team. And that was that was it for one quarter of that game. The other three quarters, they not as much, but they went on that twenty to nothing run, and they gave up one field goal in the in the third quarter of that game. And the entire time, you could see them playing, and like everyone was playing so hard because they didn't want to give up the first field goal after they were in like they were. I don't know, five or six minutes into the thing. So if if they can find some way to replicate that throughout the season, then, you know, they're going to be a scary team. But, you know, you see it in a bunch of these other games where they go long stretches where they just don't play any defense in it and they can't get a single shot to fall. So it's uh, kind of a, kind of a, you know, forecast of things to come. And hopefully, you know, the season goes the way of that game where we have enough of the good to counteract the bad to to get where we need to go. Yeah, I mean, Kenny nailed it. The third quarter was really the story of the game there. And you know who was the, the engine of that, uh, that third quarter run was Courtney Lee. I mean, Courtney Lee. talking about effort, he was incredible. He was, he was five of seven from the field, one for one from three for 11 points that quarter. But even more impressive is he held DeRozan to zero points and on 0 of 2 shooting. But not just that, he, DeRozan didn't even look like he wanted to be out there. He was getting rid of the ball much quicker than normal and just – yeah, it looked like he just Courtney Lee took the soul out of him. So it was it was really impressive, especially considering just how skilled of a player DeRozan is. Courtney so, Lee um, had Courtney Lee had a great week this week. I I mean that's that's one of our main topics that we're going to talk on later. But he I mean he looked <laughs> he looked like a special ball player this week, and it always makes me laugh because we <laughs> we we kind of forgot him. We were mentioned in our final five lineup at the end of last week, and you skip over him because he's this 
ninth year guy out of Western Kentucky that kind of does his thing. But man, he he's he's almost got a fine wine thing going on. He's he's aging well in the as the league goes more D and three. I mean, he finds more of a role. Um, I, I don't know. What? What do you got, Ken? I just wanted to throw one thing in there is that I know they were saying at halftime there was a a very serious uh, kind of thing going on in the locker room where like Jeff Hornacek just went kind of went off on a lot of people and and Courtney Lee was one of them and they said he came out firing and he he came out and I think he scored the first like seven or nine points of the quarter he ended up with eleven points in the quarter and you know that really like Tom said that that got him through the quarter and and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I think also scored. Uh, 11 or 12 points in that quarter and Toronto only scored 10 points in the quarter. So we had two players outscore score Toronto in that quarter, which if you do that regularly, yeah, you're get good results. It's That's a good, good sign for sure. And then just to wrap up on the Raptors game, yeah, Hardaway scored 12 of his 38 points in the third there. And um, he, he had six boards and most impressive in my opinion was the seven assists. I just, I love seeing Hardaway junior create offense for others, dish the ball. Cause he's just known his reputation is such a score first guy. So when he's dropping seven dimes, that's uh, Knicks are tough to beat when he's a playmaker out there. Yeah. I was going to say we, we, we covered most of the Raptors game without saying that Tim Hardaway jr. Put up a LeBron stat line, <laughs> 38, seven and six. Um, so yeah, if he does that again, we should be doing well. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it down quickly. And you guys know, I don't like harping on the bad so much. Um, I guess we'll we'll continue with our Courtney Lee hype. Courtney Lee goes eleven for fourteen against the Atlanta Hawks. We have three guys go for twenty points. We have THJ with twenty two, Porzingis twenty eight, Courtney Lee with twenty six. Uh, the Knicks end up losing by twelve in Atlanta to to a bad team. That's a, a tough loss. And I, you know, when when Greggy Poon's on on the show, we love talking about the pivot game of the week. We thought Toronto was going to be the pivot game. We thought that was going to be the the tough one to get. They beat us pretty good the other week. Um, man, this this one kind of stung a little, right? This this is a game that if you, you know, we've gotten all excited about these Knicks playoff hopes. This is a game you you kind of have to win, right? Yeah, and after the uh, the Toronto game, because I've been the guy all season that's been trying to temper expectations, and you know, I don't know. At best, we're still an eighth seed. After the Toronto game, I texted Greg. I was like, all right. I'm in on this. Uh, this we're going to the playoffs, bus, and then uh, they go out and lose to the Hawks. So it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, because I mean the Hawks are a bad team, and you know you watch the game and like they were killing the Hawks early, and then it was it got gradually a little closer and a little closer, and then they were down five with I think four minutes left in the fourth quarter and three or four straight threes, and then. It was basically a blowout. It was like you can't have those those lapses for for long stretches of the game defensively. Offensively, you know the Knicks played great. They they shot fifty percent from the field, forty percent from three. Here's here's my stat of the game. Uh, Knicks shot seventy nine shots and the Hawks shot ninety nine. So if you get outshot by you give the other team an extra twenty shots, like you're not that's that's not helping your team. Yeah, Kenny nailed it again. I was, that was exactly the point I was going to make is that they just really missed Cantor's rebounding in this one. He was out with back tightness. And um, the Knicks were outscored 24-5 to five on second-chance points, and that's the category that they were best in the league coming into the game. They were the best offensive rebounding and, uh, team in the league. So, um, you know, the fact that, you know, Cantor was out, that, that really hurt him. But, I, you know, I don't think this – Loss was as bad as you guys maybe think it, it is because the Hawks are, are a really well-coached team. They're young. They play super hard. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, ha- Budenholzer hasn't played very hard. So uh, one thing I was a little disappointed in is I would have liked to see Frank Nielakina on uh, trying to defend Dennis Schroeder more because Schroeder was, was tough to stop all game, and I think that's the type of player that Frank would do well against. You just like seeing those Euros go at it. Yeah, I – Tom, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, Budenholzer's a, a, a very well-respected coach in the league, comes from the Spurs family. Hawks are 4-15 and 15 right now, 2-6 and six at home. They're, I mean, they're playing for picks, so I I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, but that's – if the Knicks, you know, all this, the hype machine has started, I'll, I'll ease us into it. Kenny mentioned blowing leads. We go into Houston in the game that we, we <laughs> mentally checked out on for the week. We're like, okay, Houston's going to blitz us. That's fine. Back-to-back games, 
we come out, we go up, what, 150 points, something like that. And Michael Beasley, Michael Beasley's the lefty Carmelo that he, he talked about. And then, you know, we, (laughs) Houston, Houston does do us what we expected, except we didn't expect to go up 25 points, 22 points, whatever it was in the first. So, um, that was tough. What do you guys have on that? Yeah, the Rockets in that third quarter kind of did to us what we did to the Raptors, right? They outscored us 37-13 in that quarter. They had two guys. Harden had 14 points. Ariza had 13. Um, So two guys with as many or more points than uh, than the Knicks had in the entire quarter. And Beasley kind of was like Carmelo in that it it didn't result in winning basketball. Oh! That's that's low, Tom. That's low. But, I mean, Beasley, he – played fairly well but even in that third quarter that he had three turnovers all by himself and um yeah it just it, it wasn't a pretty result and it, it's hard to judge the next team without chris Depps, but it was encouraging to see them uh come out so strongly but i didn't expect that to, to hold throughout yeah and i i mean i don't have much to say on this game i will say to the extent when when kp doesn't play the game didn't happen so like it's it's not a on the issue in my mind and this is again a game that we thought going in the week that you know we weren't really expecting to win but you know it does hurt to go up and have the lead and not be able to close it out uh i think like like tom said about i don't know if you just said about this game or the last game but it, it would have been nice to have a little more defense out there lance thomas only played 12 minutes frank only played 15 um maybe those are two guys you get out there a little more yeah and i'll i'll as i work on my transitions says the guy says no one who's working on their transitions. Let's let's let that into our layup lines and our warming and performing. You know, we're 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 getting our groove on then into some of the smaller topics of the week. And I mean it's it's kind of a fun one. It's kind of a weird one. Michael Beasley goes for 30 points. Um and this is a guy that's doesn't have a spot in our rotation. I jokingly in the notes put MVP candidate. I mean this has been a topic for a couple weeks now and it's He's making it more of a conversation. Should this guy be a regular part of the rotation? Is he a bit player? Is this someone that we just want to look at and say, you know what, do we want to try to get a second round pick at some point? I mean, what? how do we feel, Tom? I know this this guy is <laughs> kind of an advanced stats nightmare. <laughs> um, what, what are some of your thoughts with him and the Knicks and kind of as a whole? I think that – he should remain as kind of like how he is in the, in the current rotation. Um, He currently, the team is 12.7 points per hundred possessions better when he's on the bench um, throughout the season. He's a good guy that to create offense. So when a guy like Porzingis is out, the Knicks are going to need people to, to create shots and Beasley can do that reasonably well, but his offense has never been the issue with his career. It's, It's his defense. The, uh, the defense is 13 points per 100 possessions worse when Beasley is out on the court. So that's where his value is uh, is lacking is on the defensive end. He, I mean, he can't defend anybody yeah. in, a, in a team scheme, team scheme or individually. So yeah, I'm I'm fine, and I don't think any team has given up a second round pick for Beasley. I there are enough wing players who can actually defend a lick, you know. <laughs> and that's so, what you've been saying. Like the wings is like the 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 you know, position that's most one of the more valuable in the league. And uh, even with that said, Beasley still isn't worth a second round pick in my eyes. So this is the, this is a kind of the weird situation, right? Where Beasley is on the back of the Knicks bench and he's not really playing. And then he goes out and put 30 puts up 30, but that's, you know, that's just kind of how he is. He's a guy who can score on bulk shots and he shot 23 of the Knicks, 85 shots that game. He's not going to get that when KP's in the game and when Ennis Cantor's in the game. And, you know, so far this season, I when he is in the game with those other guys who, you know, need their shots and, you know, score a little bit more efficiently, uh, generally he's not going to have the opportunity to put up 23 shots and score 30 points. But when when those guys go down and he does get his opportunity, I, you know, I can see him scoring in bulk. So, you know, I I just don't know that the Knicks are – kind of the best fit for him because I'm, I'm sure there are teams out there that could use a guy that could go out there and and you know if he's playing regular minutes and getting regular shots he could put up you know 18 or 20 any given night um, but 
Like for the Knicks, just the way that he plays offense, I don't think it fits with, you know, the players around him. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. only shot, you know, had 12 shots in that game compared to Beasley's 23. So like, yeah. that's that's just not sustainable. You hate to see that. And yeah, Beasley finished the game with six turnovers mm-hmm. and he's not doing that off of passes, passes trying to create for others, right? Those are like, I, I don't even know how he's racking up six turnovers, frankly. Usually those, <laughs> usually those high usage guys don't, aren't, aren't able to do that when they're just you know, looking to score themselves. It's, it's usually like the James Hardens and LeBrons and Russell Westbrooks who, who rack up the turnovers. But yeah, uh, Beasley finishing with six is not, not a pretty look. So just curiosity killing the cat. Tom made his answer pretty clear. Ken, if the Knicks were to get offered any sort of second round pick for Michael Beasley, you're taking it? Yeah, probably. I mean, he, I think he's more valuable to another team than he is to us. Unless, well, you know, I, unless Chris Tapps goes down or something. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I could see a situation. I mean, today's NBA with, you know, you, because you, you know every team could turn to Cleveland about their older veteran who can still do some things and, hey, hey maybe Cleveland wants him. But, I mean, this is a guy who went out and got 30 points in an NBA game. And we've seen GM LeBron in action before. LeBron. It's, we're, and, we're, this is filmed in the Upper Peninsula now, LeBron. But what do you got? Don't get hey? me wrong. I I like Michael Beasley. Like he's a very entertaining guy, and he's you know sometimes he's fun to watch. I just don't think he fits in with what we're trying to do, which is get the younger players shots and get them to develop. And if we win games while doing that, that's fine. But you know he's on a one year contract. He's not in the future plans. If he's taking twenty three shots and you know Hardaway's taking twelve, Frank took four. Like. No, there were Jarrett Jack had 10, Courtney Lee had 11, Beasley had 23, and none of the young guys got up over 10. So, you know, that's, yeah. that just doesn't fit with what we need, need to be doing right now. Yeah. And if the Knicks are looking to get a better pick, then that is a good idea to play Beasley more. Money. <laughs> yeah. He, he could be a very good asset towards the end of the year. That's a good call, Tom. Definitely. Um, all right. So um, the only other thing that I kind of had is a uh, uh, warming and performing. Uh, topic this week out of the back backs i mean it's tough to ignore when you're you're two big men that have kind of sparked your season and missed games with bad backs and i mean usually with big men it's usually feet you know backs are never a good sign too but uh staffs and camps are missing games are we worried i mean we think it's we think it's mostly precautionary if these games mattered they'd be playing uh, but i i know hornacek had a weird quote about Cantor that was like he was walking sideways and any kind of basketball activity wasn't going to help him. I mean, Tom, are you, is there worry about this? Or are you just saying, all right, it's something to monitor or what? Yeah. I saw another quote where he said that he's just going to take a lot of pills and hope it works out or something. I was like, that doesn't sound great. Probably is not. The the- tenure, is that the 10 year reunion? Who said that? Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. Cancer. <laughs> um, no, but I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. I think Cantor's a real tough guy. Uh, he, he does do a lot of banging. I, I re- recently wrote an article about his value to the team and put that on our website. And, you know, he's, he's a complicated case in terms of just how much value he does provide uh, defensively. It's still kind of a struggle for him, but he grabs so many offensive rebounds and he provides an element of toughness in the front court that, I mean, Kylo Quinn does it too, but you can't have too many of those guys, you know? So if Cantor does end up being hurt and miss, missing multiple games, that would it would hurt the team. No, no question about it. And Porzingis, I think was just uh, precautionary. Yeah. And I kind of said the same thing when he missed, uh, was it the Orlando game? I think a lot of the time when, uh, you're going to see a lot of this this year when the Knicks are coming off a back to back or something like that, where KP will end up sitting with some, you know, minor injury. And that's just a, that's just a way of the league. And, people are always nicked up and I think the Knicks are being particularly cautious with, with KP moving forward because he is the centerpiece of our future. Um, and I think they are realistic about our chances of, you know, in the, the end game is to be better than eighth in the, the East. So I think they're willing to sacrifice some games to make sure that he's healthy for the long term. Uh, the Cantor thing is, is a little bit concerning for, for this season. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how serious it is. He's been kind of joking about it a lot. I know after the, the Hawks game, he had a great quote where it was just basically like, this is all my fault. If uh, it's hard to see your, it's go to war and then you're just on the bench like a crybaby. I was like, that's, that's good stuff. He's, he seems to be lighthearted. So maybe it's not too bad, but you know, you got to believe a guy like that. If he was, you know, close to being able to go, he would. So 
you know, it's something to monitor, but you know, it's tough to say right now. Yeah. And you wonder you could see it being partially strategic. I mean, Cantor against Houston, wasn't that the series he got benched in last year? I mean, is this a partially <laughs> strategic benching where he's not going to have much of a fit in this game anyways, if he's a little nicked up, say, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll let the kids go out there tonight. Yeah, that's not a good matchup for for Cantor at all. So that that could definitely be part of the equation there. Makes sense. Right. Well, that's those are kind of my layups. Now we'll, we'll go into deciding and dividing. Again, these names aren't good, but we're using them, people. I like uh, them. the the mid range floaters. We're we're warm. We're we're going to start shooting our shot. And I'm I'll keep it with the big man. I'll loop around a little bit. And the exciting part about Enos Cantor and Chris Abs Porzingis not playing was that Willie Herring. Bill, Will Bill, was going to get his minutes, um, and he did, <laughs> and man, this guy on defense is just a straight-up liability. We, we saw him getting yelled at on the court by uh, Courtney Lee. Um, you know, we kind of know he's in Hornacek's doghouse. I mean, do we is, – is this, is this becoming a large issue? I mean, I know young guys struggle to play defense in the NBA, especially, you know, a, a kind of heavy-footed European big man. But, I mean, are, are we if, – if you had to lean one way, young guy or big issue, where would you stand on this, Tommy? I'm, I'm a team young guy all the way here. I don't think okay. this is a big issue. I'm not, you know, not going to – Thank um, God. <laughs> yeah. Kenny, what do you think? We lost Kenny. Oh, sorry. I got, I got caught on mute there for a second. Um, I, I am also kind of team young guy, and this is a guy who's been – He's been sitting on the bench all season and hasn't really gotten a chance to get chemistry with the rest of the team. And, you know, against the the Hawks, he played fine offensively. Uh, he had six points and seven boards, shot three or four from the field. Again, he's never going to be a, you know, stay in front of you defensive big man. And, you know, that's, you know, not necessarily what we need moving forward. Um, I'm not too worried about him in the Rockets game just because, like Jake said, that was never going to be his game. That's a team that gets up and down the court and shoots a lot of threes. So, like, what are you expecting from him in that game? Um, I think it's just a, a whole a development situation, you know, where we still have a lot of big men. We have, you know, who aren't – who, you know, he's just not getting enough time to – develop that chemistry like even even you know frank and o'quinn you see them having a nice little chemistry uh, with each other and hernan gomez just doesn't have happened hasn't had the chance to get that uh that in-game you know flow going so i'm not i'm not worried about it i think once you know the front court situation clears itself up and he gets some minutes i think he's going to be fine yeah i i I want to lean with you guys. <laughs> I, I think it's more of a red flag than I initially thought. I mean, we've, we've been saying for a couple weeks now that, you know, this guy is just <laughs> – this guy's kind of a younger, more skilled Enos Cantor. And I think, I think if you showed anything, I, I, I think the rust factor is a little fair, but there's, there's definite still growing pains that we've kind of ignored with Will Bill because he's gotten to come in and play against some bad second units at the end of games and things like that. So – I don't know. I it it's it's a I don't know if you'd say red flag. A, a yellow flag is is that a thing people say? But I don't know that he he looked he looked pretty lost at points in that Houston Rockets game. But with Chris Paul and James Harden, they they do that to a lot of good big men too. Um, something I mentioned before that I you know it was small sample size, and if you guys small sample size me, fam, I'll I don't know if I have a mute button, but I'll hit a mute button. But the Knicks are now nine and three at home and one and six on the road. And I mean that's I mean that's partially the beauty of sports, right? That's that's kind of why they play the games, this, that, and the other. But is this, you know, is this another patented I guess I could say the same question. Is this a red flag or young team? I I mean I'll I'll personally I'll bat lead off a little bit. I mean, that's a prototypical kind of NBA young team, but I mean it, does this start getting in the way of goals? Do we think both of these are going to level out to the mean? Or what, what do you think? I, I could see this team being strong in the garden all year and struggling on the road. I think, like you said, that's kind of par for the course for a young team. And um, I mean, I, I'd have to dig into the numbers a little bit to see if it's if it's more a function of the, of their defense not traveling, because they say like good defenses travel, um, whereas offenses can kind of fluctuate a little more. But um, yeah, I'd be curious to know kind of what's 
what's leading to that. The Knicks have, have played a significantly more home games than road games so far this season. So, yeah, definitely something to watch going forward. But Well, not not to cut you off, I guess I guess that, that's what raised the eyebrow for me is that we've, we've been excited about this Knicks start, but they have played significantly more home games. So should, should I be less excited, Ken? What do you got? So I was not particularly concerned about their road record. I mean, as a, as a whole, they, they haven't lost a bad road game until Atlanta. All of their other road games were against good teams, so it's 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 respectable. Um, now that they lose to Atlanta, you know, maybe you chalk it up to one of those Greg Poon games that the, sometimes this ball doesn't go in the hoop. But you know, it is a little more concerning now that they lost lost a road game to a bad team. So you know, I'm 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 in that yellow flag area with, where you are with Billy on uh, on them on the road. And I, I just looked it up pretty quickly. Um, in terms of the the splits between home and road games. And it looks like the defense is a little worse on the road. It's about four points per 100 possessions worse, but it's the offense that really struggles. It's about 14 points per 100 possessions worse on the road. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, kind of to be expected, especially with the point guard situation. I mean, I'm, I think we're going to get to it, but Jared Jack actually has been a very nice stabilizing piece. But But beyond him, there's just not a ton of, of point guard play, and that's it's a huge part of an offense, especially an offense that travels. Jared Jack and, with eight, eight and eight this week, my man. Let me and let me just kind of emphasize that the teams that we've lost to on the road were Oklahoma City opening night. So like, there's a lot of energy in that building. They just brought in all their guys. We were we came off losing every game in the summer league and in the preseason. So you know that wasn't a great spot, um, and that was while R- Ramon Sessions was still starting. So again. Those games don't even count. Then we lost to Boston in our third game, and Boston right now is the best team in the league. We beat Cleveland on the road, um, who right. you know were struggling at the time. Then we lost to Orlando, who's been the big surprise of the year. They've been struggling a little more lately, but you know not a terrible loss. We lost to Toronto, who's one of the best teams in the East. And then we lost to Atlanta. And like I said, all those games, not really concerning. Like They're games that you kind of expect – you're hoping to be in the game, but if you lose it, it's like, okay, maybe that wasn't one of our games. And then losing to Houston, that that falls with the other ones where we were, you guys were saying last week, you know, that's the game that we're just going to kind of throw away this week and not really expect to have anything. Didn't bring Chris Stops to that game. Didn't bring Chris Stops to the Orlando game. Um, so, yeah, again, I, those are a lot of good teams. I, and, I, you know, I told you guys not to small sample size me just so I could small sample size myself. But <laughs> you start you start putting in the Chris Stapps games and Tim Hardaway Jr. slow start. It's, it's not ridiculous. I mean, I think both of those numbers regress towards the mean a little bit. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, one, one and six on the road, that, again, I hate, hate to come at you with the hot takes, but that ain't good. Um, and then Tom, Tommy fed me the segue. Um Man, Jerry Jack did his thing. Our boy Frank, you know, we we got excited and loved calling him skillsy and toolsy for a couple weeks. Frank kind of had his first bad week. Um, I mean, he's, again, a 19-year-old rookie from France, figuring out the league, figuring out his game. Um, I, and I, I think he's shown something that was kind of big for me that I've been harping on is, like, Frank, you know, throw up some, some shots, and if you miss them, it's still okay. Like, we we need you to get the experience right now rather than worrying about if it's really affecting the win-loss of the team. Frank, Frank had a tough one, and, I mean, rookies, especially point guards, that's going to happen. Is there anything outside of that? I mean, that, I, I think the other thing that jumped out to me that we've been really banking on, I don't think he had a steal this week, which, again, he did 15, not. Minutes, 15 minutes a game, that's tough. But um, tough week for Frankie Smokes. Kenny. So, like I said earlier, they're saying he had you know, basically the flu earlier this week. So I don't know, you know, that could last a week. He could he could have been sick for all these games and just kind of on the up up and up right now recovering. Uh, so you know, I'm willing to give him a pass this week. Uh, we'll see how it goes forward. The other thing was he was having a lot of turnovers in his minutes, uh, and I don't know if that's kind of a product of what we've been talking about, which is he just runs the play, whatever the play is. That's what he he runs uh, a lot of the turnovers that he he's had are just people stepping into the passing lanes when they know that's where he's going to pass it. So, you know, maybe it's time for him to, to, you know, start being a little more creative and people are starting to jump passing lanes. So, 
You know, he's got to find a way to, you know, use that against them. Uh, but like you said, he has been this week. There were a few games where he did find his shot a little bit. And uh, I think two, he went two for four in one game and three for five in the other game. So he didn't take a lot of shots, but he made, he made a few of the shots that he took. Um, the big thing that, you know, I mentioned to you guys before is I think they just need to get him some confidence. Um, and for me, that's, that's potentially you just play him and Jarrett Jack at the same time. Here's my stat of the night. Him and Jarrett Jack have p- played a total of two minutes together. Uh, if you count, you know, Ramon Sessions and you count Ron Baker as point guards, then he's played a total of 10 minutes with the three of them combined. So if you get another playmaker with him and let him play spot minutes at the at the shooting guard, just so, you know, he can get some opportunities to play off the ball, maybe get a few, you know, open threes. And once he sees those start to fall, I think he's going to be, you know, build that confidence and start being able to, you know, play basketball rather than just run the play. So that's, that's my two cents. I think I'm not ready to to say I'm worried about him yet. I think, you know, he's fine. He's going to be fine. You know, he not, he didn't have any steals, but he still played, you know, pretty good defense. I know after, uh, he he forced a he came in I think again in the Hawks game and immediately forced a offensive foul and then there was another play where he you know he gave up a turnover and then he ran down and swatted the guy on the other side and then you know hit a jumper on the on the next possession so you know he's still showing he's still showing those uh, signs that he's he's going to be a player so I'm uh, I'm more optimistic than that yeah Kenny I love that idea of uh, trotting him out there with another primary ball handler. If this were a talk radio show, I'd be yelling about how he needs his time and like reps as a primary ball handler, and that he shouldn't be relegated to the to the shooting guard position yet, and without that, that would hurt his confidence. But I, I'm with you. I I think that he would actually learn a ton from being on the court with some of these veteran point guards and um, just seeing how they do it and and getting some time at the at the more on the wing and he's got the size to do it. And then the, and the length to defend opposing shooting guards too. So I think that'd be an, a nice way to, to ease him into some more minutes and more responsibility on this team. And um, yeah, over the course of the past four games, the Knicks averaged 18 turnovers per game, which was the third most in the league over that time. And, uh, and yeah, Neil Aquino was definitely a part of that. He, he struggled to take care of the ball. Like he would expect of extremely young rookie point guards who've uh, only played overseas. So, like, there's no surprises there. It's just, yeah, I, I think that that's one way to, to try and remedy that is to play him with, yeah. with Jared and, Jack. And let me just throw out the stat. He had, uh, in his four games, he, you know, wasn't playing a lot. I think this was kind of the his least minutes played in, you know, since the start of the season. He played 14 and a half minutes in the four games or per game this week and ha- averaged 2.3 turnovers, which isn't great. And the other thing is, I'm not saying, because I know this was Jake's worry coming into the season that, you know, they're going to say, oh, he's struggling, put him at the shooting guard, make him a shooting guard. And that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, get him his minutes at, at point guard. Um, and then for, you know, a couple minutes at a time, get him on the court with Jared Jack running the offense and let let Jared Jack, you know, make the moves uh, pass it down to Kristaps, and then maybe Kristaps kicks it out to him. Just get him some open shots where he doesn't have to, you know, worry about orchestrating the offense. Just a couple times a game. So, um, and the other thing is, you know, I know our joke is we really don't want him in there, like with Sessions or Baker, and like getting them more minutes. And I don't think that's something you have to do. Just he's he's not playing that many minutes right now. So just if him and Jared Jack can be on the court at the same time, I think you got to do that for a few minutes. Yeah, and I, I I love making comparisons to other sports that I was terrible at playing. But I, I think it's kind of like you see a lot of – you'll see these two positions. You'll see guys that play quarterback or wide receiver earlier in their careers. And they know kind of what the other person's going through. So they kind of – they can kind of live through them. And, again, Frankie smokes some minutes on the wings. I, I've got no problem with that. You know, I, I definitely think it's one of those things where you want to see him get his minutes at point guard. But – I is definitely don't overreact to his week this week. There's there's going to be many weeks like this. There's probably going to be weeks that's worse. And, I mean, I, you know, I, I get a little smirk on my face just watching him. When he subbed in the other day, he was guarding Chris Paul, like, from full court. And uh, Clyde said something kind of Clyde Frazier-ish and silly. Um, don't know if he said neophyte. But it, you you saw Chris Paul kind of smirk, too. Like, nice meeting you, kid. Like, welcome. Hope. Hope you pick something up for me because I, I think you've got the potential to be something. So, and 
any, any experience, even and this is a very optimistic view, any experience, even even bad experience at this point, I, I think we're okay with. So yeah. let's, uh, what, what else do I got in a deciding and dividing that, that kind of was all I had there. Now let's, let's go, let's go to the home runs, the uh, dunking and flunking. I called it the, the biggest topics of the week, like dunking and flushing. Um, the, the shooting guards were what jumped out to me, man. I mean, we, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. And, you know, I, we, we kind of delved into it last week, making his contract worthwhile, this, that, and the other. Um, he was like 21, five and six this week. I think he was like 22, seven and four last week. Um, I mean, do I, do I start all-star rumors? Like, do I, is this my time to go shot jack radio? Is Tim Hardaway Jr. starting shooting guard? Don Piccolo, what do you got? <laughs> I think it's still a little early to be talking about all-star appearances. Um, he did have a nice week for sure. And I, I, like I said earlier, I love the, the assist numbers probably more than anything. He was still, it wasn't overly efficient shooting. Um, his three ball was, was pretty up and down. He ended up shooting just under 31% from three, uh, for the week, which is just, it's not what you want to see from him, but obviously he had that, that 38 point game and he has the potential to break out at any given night. But I mean, I think when I think of all stars, I think they need to be just more consistent night to night um, in terms of, of the load they take on and their, their responsibility in the offense. So, and, and Chris Stapps to me is just um, still the, the guy that they run the offense through, even when Hardaway Jr. is scoring more, I think the defenses are focusing more on Porzingis. So um, yeah, until further notice, I think Hardaway's still on the outside looking in, in terms of my all-star ballot. Tom, they gave you one? <laughs> no, not yet. Ballot? Not yet. I'm still working on that though. Uh, I see. I see. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with Tom. Um, I'm, you know, happy with what he's doing. I'm not ready to call him an all-star yet. Although, you know, in the East, anything can happen. Uh, the, the big thing for me is, and we've been saying it all year is he's been very up and down and like this week, not really that different. He had a 38 point game, a 22 point game, which are great. And then he had a 13 point game and 11 point game, which aren't that great from, uh, your second best player. And, probably what you're hoping is your best player when Chris Stops isn't out there. Um, but the big thing is, and Tom hit the nail on the head is he's doing other stuff. That's, and that's what, you know, I was crushing him on early in the season when he, he wasn't scoring and he wasn't doing anything else, but you know, in the game where he had 13, uh, 13 points, he had five assists and five rebounds, which is nice. And the game we had 11 points, he had four rebounds and six assists. So He's doing other stuff, and that's what you want to see from him uh, on the nights when the shots aren't falling. Because sometimes the ball doesn't go in the basket, so you gotta you gotta you know make your impact in some other way. I, I love when we bring out the hot takes. Yeah, I mean, right now he's thirty sixth in the NBA in scoring, if I'm reading it right. Um, and again, he had kind of a slow start. Um, I I don't know. I'm interested to see right now the. Um, Right now, 20 points per game has you as the, the 25th scoring player in the NBA. And, you know, contrast the players, it's Eric, John Wall, Clay Thompson, Eric Gordon, Carmelo Anthony. So, I mean, you're starting to nudge your way in the book. I, I, I think it is a uh, still shock jockey at this point. But the dude's playing good basketball. And, hey, you know, New York, big contract, um, you know, NBA lineage. I think we got to give this guy credit. And he's still new to the team, I, I think. You know, expectations are only going to get bigger, which is, again, I think a lot better than what we were hoping to coming into the season. Um, the other shooting guard that was just he's made himself had to be talked about, Courtney Lee. I mean, 11 for 14 one night, and then he just kept it going against the Raptors. He went a pedestrian 6 of 11, but, I mean, he hit it. I think he hit his first three or something like that. Um, you know, it's that constant back-and-forth conversation of, where did the next end up this year? But right now, Courtney Lee's playing kind of out of his skull. I know, Tom, you and me have had our fisticuffs over what George Hill did last year as kind of a, a big year from kind of an older player who's hitting the 3 and D mold in the NBA. I mean, is this guy getting more valuable? I, I, I don't even know my question, but I just knew we had to talk about Courtney Lee. Yeah, and any chance you get to bring up George Hill to me, especially this Always. year. <laughs> no, I mean, I, well, one nice thing is Courtney Lee is a lot healthier than George Hill was, even when Hill was in his prime. So, um, yeah, Lee Lee had an incredible week. Um, 
I had his numbers up here. I don't know. Did you already reference them? It was 17 points a game, four rebounds, four assists. He shot 64.3% from the field and 46.7% from three. So and the guy was on fire all week, and you don't expect him to sustain those levels of shooting. Um, but just it's nice to have him as another veteran presence, another stabilizing force, kind of like Jarek Jack has been providing. And, uh, I mean, Lee does it a similar level, just with more of a scoring punch. So, um, yeah, he – I, I expect him to just be solid and consistent from here on out, and it's nice that you don't have to really worry about that shooting guard spot. Yeah, Tom, and you know that's that's the big thing is that they came in this year and they they signed uh, Timmy to that big contract, and everyone's like, "What are we going to do with Courtney?" They're they're can they play together? Uh, I don't know, but they like we said, they're both going out there and they're both you know holding their own on the boards and at least for the last couple of weeks they have been. And Courtney Lee this season has been, you know, really upped his game with the assist as well as a playmaker. And what, what we're looking for, for from him is just, you know, to play solid defense, to hit open shots. And, you know, occasionally when, you know, we need it to, to create, and he's been able to do that. So uh, if the Knicks continue in the playoff hunt and, you know, they don't, they don't make kind of the fall from grace, he's going to be a big part of that. And he's, he's that glue guy that holds everything together. And, you know, I'm, I've been kind of very pleased with, with everything that he's done to this point in the season. Tom, you're, you're my long-term championship guy. I, and I mean, I, maybe I'm just in negative town. Maybe it's too much Turkey. Maybe it's the home road splits. I mean, is the best case that the Knicks flip him into a late first round pick. Do you think that's possible? Do you think that is the best case? Do you think it's still, get Porzingis and them to the playoffs, that's going to be more valuable in the end. I, I'm i I'm starting to lean personally towards, I mean, Courtney Lee was balling this week, but, you know, he's still making 10 mil a year for three years. If you can get him for, like, a late first, that's, that's still got to be the play, right? You still have to have that long-term ad, no? That, that's a really tough call there, Jake. Um, I mean, Courtney Lee, like I say, he's been healthy, but he is getting up there in age. Do you guys know how old is he? Is he 30 yet? I want to say it's 32. It's ninth year in the league from Western Kentucky. 32. Um, 32. Yeah. I mean, and he has three more years on his contract. Like, that, that's that's going to be tough, I think. Right? You know, a 35-year-old dude, I mean, at Courtney Lee's level, like he's only going to get – this is as good as he's going to be, right? So, um, I, I think giving up a first-round pick – a team would have to be in some pretty dire straits on the, on the wing or on the perimeter there to, to do that. But I mean, a high second rounder, I mean, we've seen second rounders turn into really good players, especially lately, just like with the way scouting has been. Um, I don't know. I, Jordan Bell for the Warriors. He was a second round pick, right? And, Ken, get um, me that late first. Talk him out. Yeah. Tell him there's bad GMs out there. Tom, I'm just going to go in the complete opposite direction and say that Tom's just uh, wrong. Uh, once you get close to the, once you get close to the the trade deadline, teams start getting desperate and they start kind of knowing when their pick's going to be. And I don't think teams that are you know trying to make a run for it are particularly you know pumped about next season's uh, you know 25th pick, 26th pick, and you know we saw it last year I think with. Uh, Bogdanovich got a first round pick for him. And what's Bogdanovich do that, you know, Courtney Lee doesn't. So I think, you know, I think if you get late into the season and you have a team that's, you know, in the hunt, but, you know, just missing a piece, I don't, I mean, I don't think the Cavs are going to, going to make that kind of long-term commitment because I think they're, you know, giving up on LeBron entirely. But I think some team out there will be willing to give the Knicks a, a late first rounder for, for a guy that they think can, can push them to the championship. I think time will tell on that one, and uh, we should make a bet. And I, yeah. I mean, I will say, I will say this: if the Knicks are still in it, I don't think they're going to try to trade him. So if they're still in the playoff hunt, I don't think they're going to try to trade him. If they're out of the playoff hunt, then I think he will be traded, and he will be traded for a first-round pick. Write it down. Tom, Tom and Ken are betting face tattoos that Courtney Lee gets traded. Well, that's crazy stuff for a first-round pick. Not that he gets traded. I think. <laughs> I, I think I'll, I'll bridge the gap and get off shock jock for a little bit. I think the more than likely, because it's still the Knicks fan base, and I think they'd be a little rowdy. 
I, I could see one of those, like, it's a first-round pick, but it actually turns into a second-round pick, something like that, one of those to – Make the make the fans a little happier, or or they don't trade them like Tom said. There's, it's it's going to be interesting at, towards the end of that season where where the Knicks are standing, who's who's looking for players, and I it's it's kind of the topic any week. And I I like the way I listed it last week. I don't know if I was sad or what. I, I said, is anyone bailing on the team? I and I'm I I guess it's a partial partial bail. I like like I just said I. I don't know. If you asked me two weeks ago, I said I would have said ride this team to the seventh seed in the East. You know, we'll probably win two playoff series and lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. But that's it's a joke, people. Um, but now I I guess it's some of the numbers are coming back down to earth. You know, guys getting nicked up, the road record. You know, I like I just said, if a late first for Courtney Lee, I you know you still got to go back to the big picture and that, you know, for me and Tom, that sounds like a no brainer. Kenny sounds like he's asking for more on the side. Um, I, I don't know. Are we, are we bailing on this team? Do we, are we back to eighth seed or bust? Is there, what's, what's been the change in that in the past week? So I, like I have said, I've been the kind of voice of reason on this podcast while all of you guys are getting super hyped and going for the championship. I've, <laughs> I've been the guy sitting back like, eh, we haven't really, you know, done enough to to deserve that. But like I said, after the Toronto game, I was really ready to jump on the bandwagon and go for it. And then Atlanta brings me kind of right back down. So I think, you know, my expectations going into the season, and you can check that out on our preseason podcast, was I think I said 33 to 34 wins, and you guys all took the under on the 30. Jake, you weren't there, so I'll give you a pass, but – Tom and Greg took the under on 30. Um, so I came in as the optimist, then became the pessimist by sticking where I was. But I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna up my my uh, my win count and say it's somewhere it's gonna be somewhere around 500, maybe just below. And that's a tough spot to be in, Kenny. Like it, it does seem like this is a 500 team, um, and we'll get to our predictions for the for the coming week pretty soon. But you know. I could see this team going 500 the rest of the way out and just being right on the fringe. And it's going to, every game is going to count in terms of a, of a playoff berth. And it'll be, it'll be really fun to watch down the stretch, but this season's either going to be super exciting with a, you know, the first round playoff series, or it's going to be very depressing with a near miss for the playoffs. And I, I just think that Porzingis by himself has become too good to let this team slip into you know, really high lottery pick territory and barring any injury to him, God forbid, then you're looking at a very fringe playoff team. And uh, yeah, it, like I said, every game's in account. It'll be fun. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, I brought up the way, the way too early conference standings. I mean, right now the East is starting to take shape and it's, it's 90% of what you'd expect right now. The Pistons are a little high. Uh, the Bucks right now are still nine and nine. Everyone's assuming with Giannis and their new pieces that they're going to take off at some point. Otherwise, pretty much everything else is in place. Um, but like we said, that bottom of the East, I mean, Pacers, you know, depends if the Sixers really start resting guys, but Pacers, Knicks, Hornets, maybe the Magic, they've really, they've lost eight in a row. They've, they've really come back to earth. Man, I don't know. I, I guess I've just got this Eeyore hat on right now where I'm like, you know what, let's rest Chris Stapps the right amount of games and make sure we get something for Courtney. I don't know. I, I don't like that hat, but I, I guess it seems <laughs> – maybe I've just been a Nick fan for too long and it seems too realistic. Yeah, and like I said – Maybe maybe I've been the pessimist the whole time, right? Because when we were saying in the early going that they were just going to be really bad, we were saying, all right, well, they're still going to get their, their top pick. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be in that top five that you want to end up in. I think they're going to be just above that. Now I'm thinking they're going to be even a little bit worse. But still, you know, if you're going to be that, that good, it would be nice to make the playoffs. If you're just going to be a team that's, you know, not good enough to make the playoffs, but not bad enough to get a, you know, 
difference maker at the top of the draft. Like that's kind of the purgatory that you don't want to be in. So maybe I am the pessimist, you know? Um, the other thing I noticed while I was checking out the schedule the other day is just, you know, beginning in late December through like, I don't know, February, they just go so many road games into March. You know, it's, I think it's something like 23 out of 33 games around the road and it's, you know, I, I'll do the math some other time and I'll mention it in another podcast, but there's going to be a lot of road games. So if this road game is thing is for real and they're just, you know, not a team that could play on the road, that's going to, the you know, the season's going to be determined kind of midway through through March when they're done with this ridiculous road trip. Tom Bodadden? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Kenny's probably <laughs> right to think that. I mean, it t- takes a little self-awareness to, to call yourself out like that, but I... <laughs> I think we, I think we were being partially optimistic and protecting ourselves, predicting that the Knicks were going to be that low. And again, if you go back and look at our player rankings, we all have Porzingis in like the mid thirties. I think some of us may even have him in like the early forties. So the fact that he's been a top twenty player, and you could even talk me into higher than that, has has taken all of us off guard. Even Kenny, I think even you are surprised by that. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. So. <clears throat> You know, it's just there are still draft picks that hurt, that are that hit in the in the teens, right? Yeah. We see it every year. So it's just it'll be interesting to see without Phil making the pick this year, who what direction the Knicks go and and what they value in a, in a prospect. But you know, there's still talent that falls down there every year, and you know, there's there's still a chance the Knicks can can hit even if they just barely miss the playoffs. So it's not like all is lost. It's just the odds fall, right? We'll we'll bring in Phil for the draft pick. I'm sure everyone will be cool with that. But I and you know it's kind of funny, and this segues us into running and upcoming upcoming week thoughts and predictions. And it's kind of funny. Nick, <laughs> Kenny mentioned that road stretch coming up in December, January, whenever it is. Um, we've got three home games this week. <laughs> uh, we've got home versus Portland, home versus Miami, home versus Orlando, and it's. It's kind of funny because all three of us were just kind of talking about it in ex-girlfriend mode with the Knicks. Like, they burnt us before, you know, we're, we're going to keep winning these games, and then boom, that December, that late December, January stretch is going to hit all these road games, and then things fall apart, TFA. Um, I mean, three home games this week. Next week, are we going to be hopping on the mic saying, you know, Knicks could have home court for the playoffs? I've I, with their current home record and, you know, maybe this is what they were kind of keeping Porzingis healthy for. Um, I mean, I, you know, pivot games, my sexy term, the least sexiest term ever. Um, it seems like Portland off the bat, right? They've been playing some good basketball lately. Yeah. I mean, Portland's a dangerous team. No doubt. Their backcourt is, is a couple studs. Um, I know Alfaruk Aminu was out and he's a, a big part of what they do defensively, but the, the trailblazers defense has been like, second ranked in the league this year, which has really been surprising. It's, and it's actually been their offense that has struggled. So I, I'll be interested to see how the Knicks offense fares against this supposedly rejuvenated Trailblazers defense. Um, I mean, the home court thing, it, it definitely matters for this Knicks team. So uh, there are a couple in the upcoming games, I think in particular Portland and Miami, that I think are, are kind of coin flips at this point. So I, I'm still trying to decide if I think we're gonna go. Knicks are gonna go two and one or one and two, and I'll um, I'll leave that for my final thoughts. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I I was gonna say kind of the exact same thing in terms of I I think you know a pessimistic view of this week is we go one and two, and the optimistic view is we go two and one. Like basically, I think all of these games are kind of kind of coin flips, and uh, it, it's tough to tough to kind of make a decision. Um, I think my big thing that I've I've been saying basically all uh, all year is what I like to, to look for in any given game is who Frank Nitty's going to match up with. And I think that that Portland game is going to be a big one, right? Because they have the tremendous guards in, uh, in Dame and McCollum. And then, you know, our boy Baz coming off the bench, who's been playing pretty well. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to see. In terms of how I think we're going to come out of this week, I think, you know, we can flip one of those Portland Miami games and then we get, we just got to beat Orlando. So, I'm going to go I'm going to go I've been too pessimistic this entire time, this entire year really, and I'm going to flip for the optimistic and go 2 and 1. 
There you go, Tom. And I'm right again. Write it down. Wow. I like that a lot. Yeah, you you guys know one of my uh, something that I I love talking about that again, not backed by statistics or anything of that nature, because that's that's not my game. Sure. Um, I, it's the garden factor, which I think the garden factor has been with the Knicks D so far, which has been great. But it's also when guys come to the garden, they want to have a game because they know if they come to the garden, you know, that's going to be on Sports Center. You know, they're on the Mecca of basketball doing their thing. MJ does it. LeBron, MJ did it. LeBron does it. Um, man, we've gotten beat up by some guards this year because our, our defense isn't, isn't what it is, man. Who's going to guard Damian Lillard? I mean, Frank, that's, I, I know the, I know he's long, but that's tough. <laughs> put, put Frank out there. For the entire game, I, I love Uncle Just Jared Jack, but that's tough. I'll 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 do the soft two and one too. I I think Portland gets us. They've been playing good basketball. I hope not. I I hope it's three and up, three and zero, oh, and we've got everyone screaming next week. Um, Tommy, Tommy Pickles. Yeah, I mean, the, the Heat have been kind of finding their stride. They've just won three in a row as well, and I've watched them a little bit. And uh, I mean, they look pretty good. They they kind of look more like the team that. Uh, finished the season last year than the one that started this season last year. So I'm, it, it really all hinges on health. Like how serious yeah. were the back issues of Cantor? If Cantor's out, like uh, Kylo Quinn's probably a better, actually, I don't know, a better defensive op- option against Hassan Whiteside. Uh, Whiteside's enormous. So yeah, like, he's, having, he's Cantor's, huge. having Cantor's pure size is probably even um, the plus there. I, I think and obviously with Porzingis' lower back, if that's even a thing, then that would change the entire prediction. But I, I'm going to, just to be different, I'm going to go with a one and two record. Oh, boo. Oh, come on, Tom. Tom, Tom doesn't think guy. we can get a first pick for Courtney Lee, and now he thinks we're going one and two? There's no oh, chance I can get a first pick for Courtney Lee. not even a Knicks fan. There's no chance. Now I kind of hope there is a chance. Um, yeah, I was just going through. My, Miami's such an interesting team, man. They've got – it's. The Dragic show with Whiteside, who's a little old school. They let Waiters do his thing on certain night. Wayne Ellington went from exiled to averaging 17 points a game last week. Um, that that could be a neat one. And man, I, I hope uh, I I just I just hope they you know. <laughs> I guess I don't I don't want to see Damian Lillard put up a 40 spot on us. Um, but man, he's he's been playing great basketball too. 28 28 five five and four the past week. So uh, we'll see on that. I mean, any, any final thoughts guys? Yeah. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I'm not too worried about what Tom's worried about with Chris stops. I, I think he's fine. He's going to play, um, you know, as much as the Knicks want him to play. Uh, but that, I think that'll be, that'll be what to watch for this week is just uh, Chris stops shooting. Because last week he did have a dip in shooting. He had a, a great game against, uh, I want to say Atlanta, where he shot 50% from the field. But the rest of the games he was kind of struggling. So that's that's my what to watch for this week is is how does Chris stop shoot the ball coming off this alleged back injury? Yeah, and just piggybacking off that, I think it, it'll be interesting to see who tries to defend Porzingis for these teams. Like I don't know that the Trailblazers really even have and a good option to put on them. Um, they still have a Plumley? No, they do not still have a Plumley. And they're screwed. Put the ass <laughs> on them. Um, yeah, like the the Magic, I think Aaron Gordon has the strength and athleticism to, to maybe knock Porzingis off the spot a bit. But, um, yeah, between the, the Heat and the Trailblazers, no one's really coming to mind that I think will give uh, – Porzingis any trouble so I'm, I'm expecting a big week out of him but you know one weakness that the Knicks have is defending the three-point line and these are three teams that that so far this year yeah. I think have been very good hitting the three um you know Portland certainly has the personnel for it Miami also is not you know they're, they're not gunshot so depends on their night yeah it depends if waiters seeing it or not Exactly, exactly. So that, that's all I'll be looking for is how the Knicks defend the three and how other teams are defending Porzingis. Yeah. I, I'm I just hoping to see. I, I just had one more memory that just kind of pops in my head, and that was sure. uh, 
the rookie sophomore game when Tim Hardaway Jr. and Deion Waiters just kind of went at it for like a four minute period. They just went shot for shot. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on YouTube because it's wild. And I think that would be fun to see just for fun. Like basketball in its purest form. Yeah. Just people it's launching worse, 40, 40 foot threes. It's worst or finest, depending who you ask. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, how about I'll throw Frank a little, I don't know if it's tough love or hope, but man, he's going to see a really crafty point guard and Dragic, and he's going to see Damian Lillard. I, I wonder, um, you know, if I'm the coach, which I applied for, we'll see if Hornacek stays in the position, but um, you know, I'm telling Frank, hey, you had your first kind of bad week as a pro. You know, focus on your defense. Let the rest of the game come to you. These these guys are two of the best offensive players in the league, so learn what you can. I, I don't know. We'll be interesting to see if Frank has a bounce-back week or kind of goes into that rookie rut a little bit. But right I, I, I think that's all for us. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know, subscribe, download, have every member of your family downloaded and listen. Um, you know, we've, we've got a couple different things. We do our, a lot of basketball podcasts. I've been doing talking Huskies. Um, got a new episode of that coming out. Oh, Kenny, we lost Jake. Oh, geez. Uh, that's well, how you wrap up an episode right there. All right, guys. Next couple days, uh, you know. oh. oh, he's back. He's back. Oh. We lost Jake for a second there, but uh, oh, I think, man, I think we've I, said all we need to say. Go I, had next. Such a, I had such a good spirited exit saying follow us and all that. Talking hockey, I hope it was, talking a lot of basketball. I hope it was better than the wrap-up speech of the reunion. Ooh, I mean, shots fired. Well, that's a right. nice call back, and let's just wrap this up. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, thank you. Go Nix.